1: Right, this is where I normally say the words, it says we're live. So welcome to another Owls alumni. My name's Dan Fudge. I'm joined by John and Stevie. And as you can see in the top right corner there, we've got... De, 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 flash up! Do you know what? I'm going to get bullied online for doing that the entire time. We've got former Charlton Wednesday, Southampton and Bradford City striker, Mr Gordon Watson has joined us this evening. Thanks a lot for joining us, Gordon. You all right, sir? So how's it going? You all right?
2: I'm very well, thanks, Dan. Yeah, I'm very well. It's, uh, it's nice to be on. I enjoy it. Uh, so, I mean,
1: t- tell us where you are right now because uh, it looks all very professional.
2: Yeah, I'm in the uh, I'm in the office in Costa Rica uh, preparing, obviously, all the shows. I do uh, Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A and La Liga. So, obviously, I'm getting myself ready. But I've got to do it early because I go to Vegas for six days next week. So, uh, for a big sort of conference and bash.
1: Oh, yeah, I've been to those type of conferences as well. Yeah, and they send you to places like Vegas. That's not too heavy, <laughs> is it?
2: Yeah, it's like po- poacher turned gamekeeper though, because obviously I don't drink, I don't gamble, and it's uh, one of those. Oh,
1: you're gonna be. Uh, you're gonna <laughs> oh, that's be all right. Raggle. Sorry, I, thought I was
2: talking to the missus. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that old chestnut. What now we got
2: yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It just, it just sort of just flew out of me there.
1: It was just like, yeah. it was just, yeah, it was too scripted. Yeah, you've got that speech right. So uh, we're out on Twitter as well. So if you've got any, uh, if you've got any questions you want to put forward to Gordon, by all means, give us a shout. Now, uh, Gordon, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot for joining us. Um Now, I must admit, I, as I was just saying off air, there, I'm I'm fangirling a little bit. You're were, you're were a bit of a favour of mine, and um, and well, well, we'll get there in a bit when we get to uh, when we get to talking about your Sheffield Wednesday career and the goals you scored. But I want I now. As some of the guys might have noticed, that's not a uh, a Yorkshire accent you've got there. So I want to I want to drill back down into the start. Where did it all kick off? How did it all start out for you? You know, did you you know, did you know that you were going to be a footballer from early age, that type of thing?
2: yeah i had to be because uh, basically i come from a really really poor background in uh, south london north kent um that went i obviously i was in care probably for 15 years um the social services checked up on me every two weeks and uh, i ended up you know, like in a children's home so it was an escapism for me it was just basically the only thing that i was able to n- or know that it was my route out and then obviously i remember um a lot of the kids as you're growing up i was always a good player but i wasn't pc i was one of the poorer kids and i didn't obviously didn't have a car so i was reliant on lifts from other parents but i knew i was one of the better players and uh, i remember playing in this game on a sunday morning and uh, the team we were playing had nine players under 14s who played for cholton and their manager shock he was actually the uh, the the scout or the head scout for the younger generation um, so they had a corner and I was up front so I was on the halfway line so I wandered over to him during the game and said do these boys play for Cholton and he went yeah, yeah. Said, why do you think you should and I went yeah and he went right see that hut over there Thursday night half past six be there so I was there at half past five and then I went through the ranks and never looked back
1: Wow, that's uh, that's what they call a bit of an unorthodox approach, isn't it? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? She was
2: shy boys getting out. That's what that's called. <laughs> that's like, if you want to open the door, you've got to kick it first. Um, and then, obviously, I uh, I, went broke, I went through the ranks at Cholton and uh, had a really good game early on against Sheffield Wednesday in the 1991 season against Ron. Um, and, obviously, Sheffield Wednesday were one of them sides. We'd just come down from, like, the, the little, like, like, I don't even know how you say it, because it's either you call it the Premier now, but obviously it was League One, and whenever you say League One now, you're like third division. So it's like a bit yeah. confusing for those uh, the newer generation. But yeah, so we was in, we was just got relegated from the top flight, and Sheffield Wednesday were then obviously looking to go. Sh- Straight up because they were uh, one of the stronger sides. And you look at that squad, I remember I had friends that left Cholton and actually were playing like Paul Williams, Peter Shirtliff. Um, so there was, a, there was a good affinity between Cholton and Sheffield Wednesday in that sort of late 80s, early 90s. That's
1: uh. That's, that's impressive because I think uh, I think Chris Bart Williams God, God rest his soul he um he got in a similar route had a good game against us and big Ron went that oh, we'll have him that's, that's that's
2: what we'll do which is really because uh, he was at orient wasn't he I thought that right. we just had a good scouting system because when he turned <laughs> up Jesus he was like unbelievable first training session um, I remember I mean obviously that was under Trevor I came under Ron and growing up. I had like Man United posters. Man United weren't very good, but Brian Robson was one of my favourites. Ron Atkinson, and then obviously Trevor Francis. You went if you go through that side that I joined, them them te- them teammates of mine, they were all like you potentially had every one of them on your wall as a poster boy. It's like scary. Did you uh, did
1: you ever a point where you kind of where you got into that team where you got to Sheffield Wednesday at the time and went? I'm gonna have to work hard here. We can't we can't piss about here now. I'm gonna have to graft in just to get a shirt at this point. I mean, you must have looked around and thought, shit.
2: No. <laughs> no, I honestly, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I walked in and I knew that TF was getting getting older. I knew that I was potentially, uh, because remember I was like under 21s for, for England. I was still only 19. I'd done okay. And the other thing is, and this is what I was taught very, very early, is when you break into a side from a young, young age, and I know 19 is obviously a bit different to 19 now because we don't see many 19-year-olds, but the quicker it becomes the norm, the, the more chance you've got of staying there. You can't be starstruck, you know? And the other thing is, so when I walk into the dressing room, Danny Wilson, Vivan, they battered me the first two minutes. I was like, not even put three steps in the door. And I love that because obviously coming from South London, it's all about the banter. And there wasn't a weak link in the banter front throughout maybe one of the goalkeepers. But apart from that, every year it was like survival of the fittest and no one backed down. It was just, and that went on to give us four unbelievable years because home away Europe, we were a strong outfit on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Well, I, done, I, I, um,
3: I, go on, just say, um, obviously being a, a Boyhood Charlton uh, fan and, and then subsequently a player up until you you know, you, you're a young man, even at 19 There, did, did you have any, sort of fears about moving up north, moving to a northern club. Were there any of that going back then? Or did the club kind of just sell itself to you? Uh,
2: Yeah, for me, it was all about Ron Atkinson, Sheffield Wednesday. I was in the squad when I was 17 for Charlton uh, against uh, Sheffield Wednesday. In fact, I remember there was a, I think there was a plane crash on the M1 just just south of uh, Sheffield. Uh, It would have been about, I don't know, maybe what 88 89 and we came up on and it was like the old wreckage was on the left hand side and I I had an affinity with with Sheffield Wednesday for some reason because Bob Boulder was a friend of mine uh Cholton and he was there um obviously Shirty was my captain I had Willow was a good friend of mine he'd gone so no for me it was again all through my life Cholton was Right. To be a player was escapism from where I would have stayed. Then from going to Sheffield Wednesday was escapism from Cholton that I didn't see was going to go anywhere other than be an OK championship club as it is now, or Division 2. So they had the opportunity to play in a side that were going upwards. Listen, if they were a stock, they you wanted to invest in them in 1990, 1990 1991 because everything they had was going upwards. I mean the first week I was there, I think we played Chelsea away in the semi-final of the Rombleaux. One, then we had an unbelievable uh, victory at Hillsborough uh, to go to the final. I was going to Wembley. I mean the only time I was going to get go Wembley is if I bought a ticket myself. Um <laughs> So, yeah, we was going to, I was cup tired, but Ron was like a great manager and he was like, you need to come along because this is the type of thing you've got to aim for in your career. And this was like, yeah, deal me in.
1: Um, that's that's amazing because there was a, there was a point where I think Carlton alluded to it two weeks ago. He said, um, he said, wow. cause Carlton was,
2: was injured or suspended, wasn't he? For the suspended, uh, the, I think got sent off Plymouth away or somewhere like that.
1: Yeah, he was suspended for the final, and I think he, he walked up to Carlton and said something like, um, "You know, I, I want, I want this to be your best ever game here, Carlton. I really need to play." And he went, "What are you on about, Gaffer?" And, and what he meant was he needed Carlton to be Carlton. Did he give you some kind of speech such as
2: that, God? Yeah, just to basically be bubbly around. I tell you, let's go back a little bit though, because the first thing I saw with Ron playing mind games was we had an unbelievable following. Chelsea away in the first leg of the semi-final. Remember, we are like for the people that are only new to like football. We were a championship club playing against the Premier League big hitters and I remember him saying there was a little flat spot in the game and he told uh, Trevor to go and warm up behind the goal towards our fans and get them going and got them going I mean listen the fans are just like second to none anyway if you if you grow up and you know them so again all of a sudden little flat spot away at Chelsea don't let them get their uh, their heads up don't let them get a little bit of momentum on you and the crowd just got the players up again and that little bit of downside didn't last too long. So Ron knew what he was doing. He knew that Trevor would get him going. So, yeah, listen, there was no stone unturned in our preparation for nearly anything for the next four years. Go on, Stevie.
0: Yeah, um, obviously we, we've we had a few sort of pros on in the past and talk, talked about those, those sort of glory days of, of the early 90s, specifically 91. We've had a couple of the, the, the League Cup winners on. Obviously Palmer was there or thereabouts and he was in with us a, a couple of weeks ago. Um coming straight out of that, we've gone got promoted and we've gone up. But then we find ourselves in that really strange situation of Ron's built the side and then Ron's gone. And we've had that yeah. transition between Atkinson and Francis. What was what what was that period like for the squad, that sort of that pre-season coming out of uh, success and then going. Uh, into, into the top division again with with you know what would have been a, a period of uncertainty maybe.
2: Yeah, it was basically um, momentum. We just continued where we left off. There was a couple of additions. They um, it, Trevor could not. It weren't like. We lost Ron Atkinson or Trevor went into a job where the manager had been crap and the team was crap and we were like not winning games. This was an opportunity for Trevor where he's gone in and basically he served up a five-course meal that was done by a Michelin chef. I mean, you think to yourself, we had a... Let me just remind you, the reserves, at Sheffield Wednesday in 1991, we won the uh, Reserve League over Liverpool... Everton, Man United, Man City. So we just won that league as well. So going into the next league, you had goal scorers, you had defenders. The one thing I would say is, looking back now, is I thought they were all older than they really were. I mean, they were like proper grown men. I mean, you've got a back four of Nilsson, Shirtliff, Anderson or Pearson and Nigel Worthington. And then in goal, you've got... Pressman or Chris Woods and then in midfield you've got Sheridan and Palmer which is maybe only McAllister and Batty were close to that dynamic duo, and then you've got Danny Wilson on one side with John Harkes, there was two players for every position, so and then you obviously, you've, got, you've then got Trevor, myself, Willow and Hursty. and Hursty was one of the most dangerous strikers in the country, and what did we do? We finished third in the league, which got us into Europe, so yeah, not many teams will come up and in their first year finish third in the league.
1: Now, before we, before we start talking, oh go on Steve, carry on. I
0: was just going to jump on the back of that. Did you feel it throughout the season though did you did you sort of know that that's where you were going do you feel that you as a club we overachieved in 1992 as it would have been um or, or was it always that confidence from the start of the season and like you said the momentum just building and building and building just saying we're going to go as far as we're going to go with it
2: yeah if i told you that i didn't even realize we'd finished third and <laughs> I, I, you know you know but that that was the focus on game to game there was no none of that i mean i didn't even realize. That it was very, very strange that we did what we did week in, week out. And the big player, everyone played their part. You know, it was crazy. Um, and Trevor just sort of let it tick along. Um, and he was consistently, I had, a, I had a bit of a problem with Trevor in that season because he kept, I was a young boy and I was meant to learn my trade by coming on and growing into the club. And he kept putting himself as sub. But mm-hmm. the problem was he was putting himself at sub, coming on and either scoring or setting up a winner or an equaliser. And the the big thing that we had was we was a squad of 20. And of that 20, you threw the balls up. And wherever they landed, we were stronger than most. Yeah, And we stuck together. It was really it was. There was no snakes. It's one of them dressing rooms that for three years, there was not a snake in the dressing room.
1: I mean, sometimes I see, you see videos and interviews with John Sheridan where it comes across a little prickly.
2: He uh, you know, was be, like that normally. That's, that's him happy. <laughs> Honest to God, he's the driest, dry sense of humour in the world. Yeah, he could, he could rip someone and no one moaned more than him on the pitch. But I tell you what, no one passed the ball like he passed the ball, neither. <laughs> he was an absolute legend. I, he would be one of the best players and passers of a ball I've seen in the last 35 years.
1: I uh I I I sit and I I believe him to be similar to the way you know you see people now on telly like uh, Neville around Roy Keane and they're all kind yeah. of laughing and joking with him and he's just saying these really blunt things. Is is it that kind of relationship with somebody like him?
2: Yeah, Shez was so funny you know, and yeah, Shez would have been the Roy Keane of of our team as far as uh, personality and that goes um, because he had such ability and he used to call everyone a Chris Packet and they'd be good players but. They weren't in the same listen, he he keep it off the you keep your, the ball away from you in like a telephone box. And the <laughs> and then the beauty of it is we had an Olympic runner alongside him. Yeah. So I remember Ron actually stopping a five side and going, stop, stop, stop. Colton, what are you doing? Don't pull for the ball. Shez, don't give him the ball. You run. The pitch is only 25, 30 yards long, but he says to Colton, you run, Shez will find you. And that, that energy and that they both, everything you'd want from a midfield duo, th- th- they had it in abundance. Colton's one of the only people I know that can win a ball on the edge of our box and get on the end of it in theirs in the same.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Giggy Palmer.
1: Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means you'll get some tasty rewards later on. And between you and me, if you order just before kickoff, you can get it just in time for half time. But I've not told you that. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery free in terms apply. See McDonald's.com. See you later. I'm flowing move.
3: Wow. Wow.
1: Have you got any more, John?
3: As you said, obviously you mentioned Trevor then, and obviously we know he's coming to the end of his career with Wednesday. I think he was around thirty-seven years of age. Was it a, was it no surprise to you that he got offered the manager's job? Do you think he was looking at in that direction? Was he was he kind of a leader before he was manager?
2: no, never a leader, never a leader in all the years he was actually managing. Basically, what he did was he, he had already had a nightmare management player manager stint at QPR. Then he came with us and he was like just TF and everyone looked up to him because, remember, first million power, been been in uh, CRER and the quality was scary good. But as far as uh, actually... I don't know, like motivation. I tell you the way that he motivated us and I used to call it and looking back now, I was probably wrong. I used to say that he was consistently inconsistent, but what he did was he shuffled his pack really well. So that whenever any of us went into the side, whether it four games, five games, six games, We all did our job because the camaraderie in the dressing room was so good. We all trained together every day. So it was, you picked the best 11 out of you 20. And if you think the young ones in our squad was myself, Bart Williams, Ryan Jones, Graham Hyde. And like, you'd think to yourself, they're the four babies of this squad. This squad was like the real deal.
1: That's it. Yeah, I, I, do you know what, looking back on it now, because like, there was a point, I just got into football, I was about it, talking late 80s, early 90s, and there was a period when, um, when I think Sheffield United had beat us once, I don't think they did a double on us, but I think they beat us 2-0, and then it might have been the following season or in a cup, 3-1. And then this happened.
2: Watson going through the middle, he might get there before Kelly, he did. Watson gets his header in, it's three... The goal stands. Kelly is distraught. Happy day. Kelly
1: Kelly yeah. is distraught. Absol- yeah. Absolute crack to me. That. Tell, tell me about that day and, and what it's like to score against them and the noise.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, if they had had the upper hand on us uh, on the mm. individual occasions. Uh, but that day was probably the, the best free one that they could have hoped for. It could have been 15 on, on that day, to be honest. Um, I remember it being an absolute packed house. We were, we were absolutely flying. Um, th- there was a massive golf in quality and class, but they had a togetherness as well. But I'll always remember that day for many, many reasons. But when I scored that goal, um, I remember looking up because all the United fans are up there and I, and I saw this girl, Annabelle, and she was like really, she's really close to me. But she was absolutely battering me uh, like after I'd scored. We were out that night all together as well, which was, was absolutely great. And that was a Saturday afternoon. I think I might have been late for training on the Monday. On the back of that Saturday. <laughs> that's how, see, that's what other people problem, don't realize. Right? Yeah, yeah. This was the other thing about Sheffield. Sheffield did, as a city had taken over for me from Manchester because. The music scene was great. Obviously, we've got to mention the lead mill under the current um, climate of what's going on there. It was just iconic. Then we had, the, uh, we had the Steelers. We had Ponds Forge. We had the Crucible. We had Sheffield United. We had Sheffield Wednesday. We had Don Valley being built and the racetrack. It was everything, the Hallam Marina, Everything was actually, the whole country was just basically, I don't know, it sort of breathed off of Sheffield. And it was just amazing for the next four years. And I couldn't have picked a better time to go there because you think about the the Wembley occasions, you think about going into Europe, but you also think about the fans of basically of sport in the city. It was like a week. And this is this is a problem I had when I was there. I had no guidance. I came I joined Sheffield Wednesday with a little plastic bag. You might I might call it like Morrison's or Neto or something like that. It was actually a B jam bag with my pads and my boots. And that's why I traveled up with them like that. So I had no, no, as I told you earlier, no parental guidance. And I was like a kid in a sweet shop. And I didn't know how to say no because there were you there was something going on eight nights a week, afternoons evenings and it was just unbelievable that I was I, I went I didn't even dip my toe into everything that was going on I dived in head first.
1: and just absolutely just involve yourself in the city so to then score yeah. against that lot I bet you walked into town like that scene in Iron Man where Tony Stark's just got his arm
2: own... yeah I, I walked into town like that every night every single in fact I used to live at Bradway and because I used to walk into town like that I moved to London Road and I, I remember I scored I think I scored 14 in 20 in the 93 94 season and I lived above a fruit and veg shop on London Road still (laughs) <laughs> you know what i mean my, my my rent was like 40 but i was on the same road same side of the road as music factory and it was like just around the corner from obviously led so ecosol road was just jumping through there um yeah i had everything i wanted and i, I noticed the, uh, the jamaican flag straight away i i was like 10 yards away from the caribbean restaurant i had chinese roy who was like um, a yorkshireman but he was chinese Ten yards to my right, it was a butcher. I had everything. I had Villa Roma opposite me, so yeah, I had everything.
1: Right, right in the nuts and bolts of it. It yeah, had on to be.
0: Um, you, well, you, you touched on it there. That, that season, that period, 93-94, Obviously, you, you you hit the, the a, a real hot streak. Not personally, what was that like for you? Um, obviously, the, the, there's the highlights of the of the derby, the the, the goal scoring run that you went on. I think it endeared you, and Dan's referred to it earlier on. You know, as a as a young lad watching you, sort of kicking off your career, having that opportunity, getting into the spotlight. What was what was ninety three ninety four like for you, you personally?
2: Yeah, it was strange because I actually tore all my ankle ligaments two weeks before the cup finals the year before. So I, mm. I was late having my pre season. So I did, I, I think I probably scored my first goal in sort of late October, maybe against Oldham at Hillsborough or somewhere like that. Um, mm. So I was getting fit uh, probably around February or March ready. So the season sort of ended at the wrong time for me. But I think if you go and have a little, little, look at the history books of every team that's played in the Premier League, I think that season we scored something like 75 goals as a team and 75 goals. I think it's still in the top five. And we was like voted one of the most entertaining sides uh, in Premier League history up to this day still. So it was like it just didn't matter who played. The amount of chances you got. Goals that could come from absolutely anywhere. I remember Barney at left back coming in with left foot volleys. And if people don't know Barney, that's Nigel Worthington. Um, Rowley would do a one-two, and then he would find the back of the net. Harps, he would score everyone. And it was like just crazy that whoever went onto the pitch in that era, and go back to 91, to 95, whoever went on the pitch, there was no one who ever got any stick. And it just, you, you're better off going into a side that's actually confident, Homer away. And we were like that. Because there was other teams that actually wanted, or countries that wanted Sheffield Wednesday to go. We visited Japan, America, and South Africa in their, that three or four year period. It was crazy.
1: That is absolutely. I tell you what, kids, listen. It's not always this bad. I know you've only been around the last ten years. Stay with us. We're gonna we're gonna try and bring those days back at some point. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um. So I mean, well, let's let's talk about that period then that you that you're in Sheffield, and rightly so. We we had the we had the arena built. There was Don Valley. There was Ponds Forge. There. It was the World Student Games in I want to say ninety one that brought all that investment to Sheffield, and it's kind of got left behind a little bit. Like if you've ever watched, the, you know, the, the new Full Monty series, it's a bit, Christ, this is what Sheffield's like nowadays, you know. But you were there right in the vibe of it. It's like the way people talk about Manchester and London in the 60s and, and things like that. Did you did you ever miss London? Because I know it's, uh, I, I, the people in London, it, it, it's a personality to those people, isn't it? There's a there's a thing where they, they kind of long to get back and they don't really leave London. And you you took that big step to get out of there. Did you ever look back in it and think?
2: Oh, no, kind of. I hardly went back. <laughs> I hardly went no. back. I didn't have time to go back. I actually, um, yeah, no, I, was, I dived in f- like head first. There was no, I was too like the old FOMO, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. <laughs> because every weekend, I mean, maybe I maybe a. The longest I was away from Sheffield was when I had a two-week holiday in the Dominican Republic. And there's a great story. I had two lads from Sheffield who actually, big Wednesday fans, they lived with me back when I lived in Bradway. Um, and one of when we moved, we moved into, obviously, down to London Road. My mate went down to do, get some shopping or something. So anyway, as a joke, we booked a holiday to the Dominican Republic because he'd not been on holiday for like 25 years. So anyway, he came back shopping and uh, we said right we're going to dominican republic sort of next week and he couldn't believe it i mean yeah listen it was it was a great idea and all the, like the heart was in the right place but it was a honeymoon place for free lads it was a nightmare <laughs> it was an absolute nightmare but but the heart was in the right place you know <laughs> and
1: this is, and this is probably booked on teletext it's not like you've seen yeah, it, was, teletext, it was teletext it was
2: no, 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 nothing. It was completely blind. It was completely spur at the moment. We weren't thinking about it, and then it, well, I, I don't know, it might caught my eye. Great, great advertising, I suppose. But no, it was. Um, I tell you what, we we'll never forget where we were though, because we had like a massive suite, like with three big double beds and everything. Yeah. It was when OJ Simpson was actually driving down the uh, freeway with the with the police. It was, it was then, so yeah, crazy. One of those, you never get, forget
1: where, where you were moments. So there you yeah, are, like 23-year-old exactly. 20, in this hotel in Dominican Republic, going, all right, birds, who are you here with? Well, oh, yeah, no me. birds. No birds. Sure.
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. On our all own. Right,
1: so, so before, I, before I come to you, Joel, I'll just come to you. I, just need, I need to ask about this. I need to ask about
3: Nielsen into the area. Well, the referee, is he going to give a penalty? He is, and the linesman... We'll get a lot of remonstrating with for that. Well, one could get oneself into an awful lot of trouble. Watching this again and again, Gordon Watson. That
1: commentary slaughters me every time. But there was, defi- there was definite contact there, right, Blash, surely?
2: Yeah, it unbelievable. It was like career-ending challenge, you know, yeah. if I wasn't so light-footed. Now, the big problem was, he, yeah, he scraped down the back of my ankle, but I took too long for the pain in my ankle to reach my head to then decide to go down. But remember, um, and Trevor, Trevor hung me out to dry, by the way, and he was the first player who got booked for diving, right? But... <laughs> Uh, he used to say to us, "Go any and get charged in the box." You go down, but yeah, it looks a lot worse. I get all the stick, all the stick I get, no problem at all. The referee gave the penalty. Yes, it was contact. If I'd have gone down straight away, there wouldn't have been a question to be answered. But I didn't. I, I made a complete meal of it. Um, but that got us back into a Yorkshire derby. Now the big cherry on top of that was it was the only live game of the week on ITV. 19.4 million used to tune in on a Sunday for the one live game. Right. So then that happens and we get beat 6-1. Now It's just, it couldn't have been. It was one of the worst days ever.
1: I, re- I remember it vividly. So more people are watching you do that and get spanked by Leeds than watch Dirty Denser uh, divorce papers to,
2: to yeah. Angie Watts
1: <laughs> in EastEnders. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which is actually impressive in some kind of way, right? You know well, apart I from we
2: get beat six-one, and then St. <laughs> and he put the beat boot into me uh, the following week, saying, "Oh, I should be uh, should be done for bringing the game into disrepute." Yeah, there was contact. Yes, I took three weeks to actually fall over, but the referee gave the penalty. No, the referee, by the way, he's ducking out of all of this, isn't he? He no one hey, ever yeah. like, says like, "Well, had the referee ever give the penalty?" But he did. And it got us back in the game. Um, Shez. I think Shez actually missed the penalty but got the rebound. Um sure, yeah. but again, two one, you're like that. And by the way, that lead side was the last side to ever win the championship before we actually went into Premier League. What a side they were. But mm. and, and and remember we came third to them, and I think this was that in like January or it was early January that game. So we mm. did well to pick ourselves up and go, right, here we go.
1: Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember. I remember it vividly. Actually, I remember Lee Chapman playing for them, and everybody in my house booing and hissing at the telly yeah. and all this. Like, um, John, I'll come. I'll come to you now. Go on.
3: Yeah, I just wondered who, who were some of the some of your closest uh, pals at Wednesday, uh, Gordon? perhaps players that helped you settle into the club, or you know, you just formed a, a good rapport. We, um, what, we, did were they all sort of top boys, or did you have a couple like special, like sort of best mates when you were? Yeah.
2: Um... Yeah, we was all, we was all together because when we went out, we went out together and then you'd have your splinter groups. Um, I was completely different to any of them boys because I was happy to go sort of undercover on a night out and not look at me. Don't get me wrong. I still went to Josie's and that, you know, but I was, I'd end up going to like trash once a month at City Hall, you know, because my friends were running it. Um, i tell you just a quick story before we go on to the, the good lads. So there was no bad lads, but I wasn't in the squad and my mate, who was doing trash at city hall he needed me to i uh, needed some lights picking up in um leeds so i got in the van and drove to leeds picked up the lights brought them back and they were fixing them on the saturday afternoon ready for like the once a month um night out i'll tell you what it was hot pants hot pants it was called on once a month at city hall and trash sorry about that that was on a Wednesday night. Um, by uh, Kiki's. so again there's like Isabella's. Thirty Kiki's. years ago, still re- and- still
1: remember how your week panned out.
2: Oh yeah, because Thursday night we weren't allowed out, but that was one of the best nights at Ledmill. Um, I remember taking, <laughs> I remember taking Chris Waddle to uh, Ledmill on a Wednesday night, and and no word of a lie, my friend was a DJ, and when we went in there, just as we went in there, Diamond Light started playing. <laughs> you couldn't have wrote the script yeah you couldn't have wrote the script though you didn't I don't I don't know if he actually saw him or someone said he was queuing or uh, they'd just come in but yeah but as far as a night out we used to go out together um and then you'd splinter off because obviously a few of the boys would struggle um or they'd get a little bit out of hand and everyone uh, it's almost like the early part of the night sort of seven till I don't know eleven some of the boys would be going home at twelve, twelve thirty, but some of us ta- would I'll not go what, out um, hang until on. about eleven. here's
1: another message for the kids: you're allowed to go out at seven o'clock, kids. You don't need to just come out at eleven o'clock now and get pissed up at home. Right, you make student grotty flat. It was fun. We used to go to a pub at seven, then we go to a bar, and then it'd be nightclub till two. Honest, it's life-changing. Sorry, Gordon yeah, <laughs> it wasn't all.
2: Yeah, but I mean, after two, you could then go to one of the bars that obviously flies your flag behind you—the Jamaican one. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it, that's what I'm saying. Sheffield didn't sleep. There, it was just one of those that you could keep going and. Uh,
5: There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.
1: We all know away days are mint, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. New in? Order now with the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. For more information, see mcdonalds.com. See you later.
2: It was just great. So anyway, you had good characters. Some of the sensible ones, like maybe Woodsy and people like that, they'd go home early. Roland, yeah, Roland was less, but he'd still come out and go home at sort of half 10, 11. But then you had like the, the Hursties of the world. Um... I'm just trying to think the younger ones you might bump into like Bart or, uh, Paul Williams, but none of, I was never really going to see any of them on the scene that I chose or the path that I chose, you know, that's, that's amazing. Um, but I'd so go out with them early, you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. got to get the photos in, get, you know, you might be in the papers, like got to look, you got to look your
2: best, right? <laughs> no, but there was um, no cameras or anything in them days, was there? Would they, no. We'd have all got locked up. We would have all got <laughs> locked up if there was cameras in them days. We'd have all been divorced just by association, not by guilty conduct. But it would have been a case of what are you doing here? What are you doing there? And there'd be too many people trying to stitch you. Back in that day, the fans and the players, there was no difference once you went for a night out. You didn't mm-hmm. give it the big one. You actually were out to have a great time and enjoy And I had a lot of United fans as well as Wednesday. And it's because... We went out together.
1: Amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say I did I did hear a, a few of those stories about you guys going out with the uh with the place fans. Now, Stevie, a couple of weeks ago, Simon asked Carlton a uh, about a holiday. Okay, where where was it? It was was it oh god, it's, it's gonna frustrate me to death, but there was a point where I think Sheridan had a tear up with Ron. Were you were you oh. there for that?
2: No, that was the year before I joined. That was the, because uh, Ron actually left uh, mm. in 91. I remember I joined in uh, the early part of 91. So that ah, there yeah. was because the end of season due in 91, Ron was, had nothing to do with. That was the year before ah, me. Yeah. So I've got nothing to say, officer. Ah, uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. don't know anything about it. So, uh, so uh, you, you yeah. want... go on, Steve.
2: I was just going to say it's probably for the best, to be
0: fair, based, based on what Carlton said. Like...
2: Yeah, but just, don't worry about Colton. Colton wouldn't let the truth get in the way of a good story ever. You know, if if he could add a add few bits on, then he would. Now, listen, they're great characters, all of them. Um, and as I say to you, we used to go out maybe straight from the game and then go home and get changed and then go out again. Um, yeah. But a lot of them would start in either like in a dev, indoor, come down to Ecosol Road. It was like a pub crawl. But, and the more people just joined as we went on, you know. Um, it, oh, it was yeah. great. It was absolutely brilliant. The
0: way, okay, the cool. way that you talk about it is, is I, think, I just think it's incredible that you, you, know, you spend, with, with due respect, a relatively short period of time of your career in Sheffield, but you've still got a real affinity for the place.
2: I spent um, longer in Sheffield than I did anywhere else. Really? And, spent, and then i moved again to yorkshire yeah. i went from south yorkshire to southampton and really when i left sheffield it was no other reason than it was getting out of hand i was like my my football was like getting in the way of my social life or i wasn't able to manage it because of my self-discipline wasn't great i remember i left when i was only 24 mm-hmm. that's yeah. the crazy thing um but also, we had started, and this was something that we speak about, we, we had started getting rid of good players and replacing them with players that weren't as good and paying them double. So, listen, it was a little bit strange, that behaviour. Which is, that's
0: kind of what I, I wanted to go, or where I wanted to go with it. You know, the affinity that you speak of with the players, the, the the place and so forth, it got to sort of 94, 95, and then it kind of came to an end. And was there a point when you realised it was coming to an end? Um, did you know that it was time to go? Was a, a specific thing that happened, or was it just right? We need to move you on um, because we've got designs on going on in, in a different sort of direction.
2: No, I, I put a transfer request in to save myself because obviously, again, um... It was really strange that we were starting to struggle. And I say struggle. I think we finished like 13th in the Premier League. Yeah. But because we'd... We'll we'd snap your hands of, off of
1: that now, go yeah, Well, <laughs> yeah,
2: so, listen, 13th in the Championship next year, you'll snap your hand off. or I know that. <laughs> but it's like, it is one of those where you set your standards and you get used to a certain, like, week in, week out, and it ends in a certain way. But for me... I'd not fallen out with Trevor um, because I had a really funny relationship with him. I was quite close to him. He was the first person that I actually sat down with a meal at Hallam Towers and he introduced me to Beef Wellington. As again, I never knew what Beef Wellington was when I turned up, but again, so he, it was a strange uh, relationship I had with him. I had a proper fight or it would have been like all a physical location at Highbury just myself and him. And yet on another side, he'd asked me to take Helen can I take Helen home because he has a board meeting? So he trusted me to there it was like a really family orientated dressing room where you argue with your big brothers. You scrap with your little brothers. And but when it dusts down, you still love each other. And that's how Sheffield mm-hmm. Wednesday was. All of a sudden, there was a few players going out the door. Hursty was injured a lot. Shez was injured. Wad was injured. Fullbacks, Kingy, got injured and got rid of. Then there was like certain players, Viv had left. Danny Wilson had left. And Willow had gone to Palace. Paul Warhurst went to Blackburn. Paul Warhurst was my room partner at England under twenty ones and Sheffield Wednesday. And he was my friend, my closest friend, who then played up front instead of me. Yeah. Do you see what you, And this is the other thing that people don't... When I said about Trevor being consistently inconsistent, whatever dice he rolled came up trumps. Bart mm. played up front and scored a hat-trick against Southampton. Albert Pauwurus went on a games, goal scoring spree of like 16 games in a row. Colton Palmer played up front away at Middlesbrough or somewhere and got the winner. It was like whoever went onto the pitch and asked the role that they were asked to perform it just worked out for four years.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. <laughs> I can't, I can't, but did that, did that not just piss you off Gordon? Like, you know what I mean? You're, you're sat there and then all these people are getting a bash up front. Oh, were you out the squad for physical? Reasons? No,
2: no, I was no, 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 no. It was again, you're, you're in a family of 20 and you call when you're called upon, you do your job. And uh, listen, I always say to people, I was never one of them players, never was I ever sitting in the stand hoping that someone either got injured or we played bad and I got in. Because I tell you what, you're better off going into a side that's doing well than a side that's struggling.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And also, Mm -hmm. remember the other four years, we won a hell of a lot more than we lost. So you
1: kind of just tolerate it. Like you're like, you don't think about it, right? Because no, everyone.
2: Yeah. You, you, you are a professional footballer and it's up to the management to pick you when you're ready. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like breaking it down into right this week. You are ready to go. You are ready to go. So having racehorses in a stable and that, and that's how we were.
1: Okay. So let's, let's talk about physicality then at this point, because you, you sustain quite a serious injury at Sheffield Wednesday, um, how long did that keep you out for? I mean, how did you feel? I mean, it, it, like you said, it was a long way back, and a lot of players say that you never really catch up. Like you say, you found your stride as the season was ending. You felt fully fit. You missed the preseason, that type of thing. I mean, what happened?
2: Uh, so basically, I, I we played. I think we played in the semi-final um, at Wembley, uh, or we played in the semi-final. We got through to the Wembley and uh trevor said to me i need you to go and play against sunderland uh in the reserves on a monday tuesday night next week because obviously i need to have all the bodies fit i need everyone ready and raring to go got the cup finals coming up blah 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 so anyway i went up there and i got two footed and it tore all my ankle ligaments and that would have been probably the first week of march so i was out from march until sort of i started running again in august so I was out for a good four months, solid, and then getting back to being able to to play again. Um, but again, I, I was really lucky with injuries. I remember I broke my hand just after I joined Sheffield Wednesday, but I was able to play with like a like a plastic cast on. Mm-hmm. But no, I was I when I had an injury, I had proper injuries. Obviously, when when I went to Bradford City, I had the real injury, you know. But apart from that, I was never a hamstring person. I was never a tweaky person. If someone, I spent six months for Sheffield Wednesday when I used to be, either sub or I'd play. I used to have injections in my toe, and it wasn't a quarter zone. It'd just be like a local anesthetic. Because when we played against Aston Villa, I went into Bosnich, and it actually broke a bone in my foot. But. So, what they did is they basically gave me a quarter, not a quarter on no, a uh, local anesthetic. You know, when you st- get stitched up, they numb the area. Well, it lasts for like two and a half hours. So, what, they d- what I did was they used to inject me about half past two, knowing that I was going to be all right till five o'clock in my right foot. So, and again, you, you just wanted to play.
1: That sounds like that movie, Any Given Sunday. Now, before I move on to the rest of your career, John, Stevie, have you, uh, have you got any more about Sheffield Wednesday?
2: On, I just wanted
3: to quickly ask Gordon about the time that we brought Cantonar over for a trial, and what what if you were what your memories were of that? Because it was, he seemed to be in the building five minutes, and then he was gone up the road to Leeds. But were there much chatter and buzz about when he came over, or was it was it just kind of you knew as much as the rest of us really are?
2: No, I picked him up every morning. I say every morning, like five or six days. Uh, he was at St George's. I picked him up. He didn't speak much English, um, but he was sheer quality and class but the problem for him was that it was snowing at the time so we was up um i'm just trying to think what was the place up towards rotherham where we used to play we used to train up there on the astroturf so anyway we'd only ever trained on the astroturf and i remember we played an 11 v 11 um and we got this free kick on the edge of the box maybe two or three yards outside and colton was like put spinning the ball and like we're all looking at each other going, well he's not taking it any you know what I mean? One of them. Put the ball down and Eric picked the ball up and uh, Colton went, Oh yeah, go on in, Eric. Go on in over the wall <laughs> in the top corner. And that's exactly what he did. <laughs> he, uh, Eric bent the ball over, over the wall and in the top corner. And I think Woodsy was the opposing goalkeeper. Just like watched it go in like that. Yeah, he was sheer class. But I understand that afterwards there was, they asked him because we had that Baltimore Blast um, debacle in the uh, arena where playing indoor football was like a complete nightmare with a ball that was so heavy. It was just alien to us. But again, it was one of those because I think the year before, we'd actually gone and played Baltimore Blast uh, Eleven Aside on grass. So, uh, but no, he was quality. Uh, didn't know all the. Uh, they'd asked him to stay on for another week or two, and yeah, he kindly said no. And then uh, Howard Wilkinson got him on the way back to the airport.
1: Oh God, what what could have been? What could have
2: been? Yeah, Go on, Steve.
1: Now I was just
0: uh, listening to that and thinking um, I was at the the arena. I can remember that game who the bloody hell is this guy? And even in that sort of, that that warped environment, you could tell that he he was a class apart. I'll always remember as a kid, hearing that rumour that um, Francis had asked him to stay for another week because they were training and it had been snowing and wanted to take another look at him on grass sort of thing. I always thought it was a bit of a myth. Surely surely you'd have known. But um, just with you, favourite goal for Wednesday?
2: Uh, My favourite goal uh, was obviously the... Yeah, the uh, third one of the uh, Sheffield Derby, My probably the best goal was when I scored against Man City uh, at Hillsborough as well, Uh, cut in from the right and bent it with the outside of my foot. Um, But no, the the Sheffield United uh, goal was obviously going to be the best because not many people get to play in a Sheffield Derby and then score and then score in front of the Sheffield United fans. So, yeah. And then go and celebrate
1: this far away from them as well like.
2: well yeah the, the, the lower tier the lower tier was our fans if you oh, if even you watch then, it back it? yeah if you watch back i'm i put my hands in the air and then someone comes out of the crowd and i actually shake their hands but prior to that i was just looking straight up and that's when i saw some of my friends absolutely Don't. battering me
1: <laughs> good good Uh, And rightly so, you know, you, you had it, you had it. Yeah. Okay. So let's move down to the South coast Now this is before Hursty and uh, Carlton went down there. You went and tested the waters. There was this weird period where Sheffield Wednesday and uh, Southampton uh, after Charlton, I guess, started, uh, started swapping players for some reason. And, uh, and you, and you went down there. Now this is, this is a journey I made. I, I went from, from Sheffield to Southampton. It's one, it's a long way away. And two, you're kind of in the middle of you know, in the middle of nowhere. There's a weird bit where they've got this absolute hatred for a club that's 20 miles away, which you know what I mean, down down yeah. the road. But there's something really nice about the fact that everybody in Southampton really tends to genuinely support the club. Everybody has an eye on what Saints are doing, even if they're not even if they're not football fans. I mean, did you find a different culture down there having played at a city that had two clubs and was quite vociferous to all of a sudden being right in the bullshit, just in the red and white.
2: Yeah, no, it's exactly that. It's a, it's a one club city, um, and also people are nicer. No, like as in they're or, or they have a better upbringing. I wouldn't say they were nicer. That's the wrong word because I absolutely loved Yorkshire. Um, they were they were basically a little bit more reserved. I'd say is probably mm-hmm. the right word, and yeah, it was a nice place. And when Alan Ball bought me, he said that not many people move. They might move clubs, but they don't normally move. And my children were born there in uh, 96 and 2001. And my daughter and their mum still live there now. Uh, so he was right. You never want to move because it's the perfect place to be. You're an hour and a half away from London. You're an hour away from obviously all the, a half an hour away from the beaches, the best, some of the best beaches in the country. Uh, And you were only two hours away from the Midlands. Uh, So, no, it was a perfect place to go. And it was great for me to go and play in a side that had, like, basically, I'd gone from Ron Atkinson and then Alan Ball. So, I mean, Alan Ball's a World Cup winner. Like, one of only 12 people or 11 people to have a World Cup winner's medal. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm I'm happy to go this route.
1: Amazing. 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 So, uh, and then you you spent a couple of years down there and then went bouncing back up north, back to Yorkshire again. Uh, did you did you long for the place? Was it a part of you that was going, kind of miss Yorkshire, kind of miss the people? Because when I was in Southampton, I was exactly like that. I was like, yeah, I want to... Not that I went to play football, by the way. I'm making it sound like I was playing for the club. I wasn't. I, was, I just moved down there. But like, is there a point where you thought, oh, I kind of miss Yorkshire, I kind of miss the accent, I miss the banter, I miss the... The, the the jokes because there were times when I'd be saying jokes and I'd get this face but that that's that's more so not a lot changed then Dan. No. yeah to, to the shitty jokes <laughs> of the time, to be fair that, that's that's pretty much it um but was it was it Yorkshire that called you back or was it more no it was what know, that was a better deal I was, it, was. it was what? Yeah,
2: because he was at he was at Bradford, and mm-hmm. they were sitting third from bottom of the uh, championship. And mm-hmm. basically, I was at Southampton when Graham Sooners had just taken over, and he had brought in. He started bringing in all new all players, and we was having trial lists and blah blah blah. And he basically came and said to me, "Old oh, Bradford have uh, put an in like uh, an offer in for you. What do you think?" And I went laughable, and I just carried on walking like, was, like I didn't even think he was serious. But then when I spoke I to know. what. You were there for the Alidea
1: incident then, weren't you? Yeah, it? I was, was, yeah. His
2: exactly, yeah, of course I was. Yeah, we were in. tell me you
1: watched this guy playing football.
2: Well, yeah, none of us could believe. Yeah, of course. He trained with us for like a week, uh, maybe a week and a half. And honest to God, he used to have his shoes on the wrong feet. Uh, he, he, one of those <laughs> where he'd kick the ball and it would go out of play, but he'd continue, not realise it had gone out of play and he'd carry on running. It was like there was no way he was ever going to play. But then... Um, <laughs> Tiz had a bit of a, I think Tiz had either a bad back or bad hamstrings, was like sciatica. And we were like down to the bare bones. Anyway, so he put Ali on a, like a month's contract just to cover, put bodies in. And we're all like looking at each other going, no. So anyway, he was, um, had him sub. And then Tiz's sciatica went during the game, 15 minutes into the game maybe. So he's gone on. And like, we were like, oh, my God, he's, like, going to tell everybody. It was almost like he was a competition winner, right? And he, <laughs> he, he brought him off. He brought him off. And I, it was, like, really, really strange. But all of us from from that time, none of us thought that he was actually going to play. something. I would believe we'll
1: listen, he was George White's cousin?
2: I didn't even know that story. He never, he never told us he was George Ware's cousin. And the management, obviously, who brought him in, didn't say, oh, here's Ali. He's like George Weir's cousin. And he says he's great. Do you know what I mean? Because like, we're players. We know. You know straight away. Because i tell you what we did do. We had some try lists. And uh, one was Klaus lundberg who played 500 games for Southampton. Uh, and the other one was Edgar washington who went on and played for uh, Blackburn as well. So you know a player when he comes in. And he was not one of them. It was just an absolute shambles.
3: <laughs> the um, amazing Matt Lattissier there when you were there, Ray Gordon.
2: Yeah, Matt, Matt's probably my best friend in football, uh, as in friend. You so, know, they say you have five friends. Yeah. He's still to this day my my best friend. Class.
3: Would you. Um, it was it was, it was a better player than Waddle or Leticia?
2: Completely different. Uh, natural. Was tis all day every day, um, but Wad did things. I always say about Wad that you knew what was coming and you still couldn't stop it. It was like, well, let's go with Wad first of all because I got to play with him after he had been at Newcastle, Spurs, and Marseille, and he and he won the <laughs> he won the Footballers' Writers in 1993. Wad was just unbelievable that he could thread a ball, pass a ball, cross a ball, score a goal. And that was completely different, you know, because Tiz used to do things because he wasn't the most mobile. He was still mobile. Don't get me wrong, but he used to do things before people was expecting it. He used to shoot before the keepers had even got set, or he used to shoot before anyone else thought there was a chance to shoot. Um, And I think he scored two hundred and nine goals. So one was just a complete maverick, natural player who. It was just scary. And the other one was just a talent that never seemed to go bad. It was like a red wine. I mean, you think he was like 33, 34 when he was at Wednesday and got the player's writer. He, he That was the year we scored 75 goals.
1: It was so- like... So, when you when you went up to Bradford, he was there. Were you there with yeah. him when you played that cup game against Wednesday? I think it was John Newsom scored it, and I think Wednesday won 1-0. And uh, that, uh, 1 0. That was two weeks after,
2: him. wasn't it? Yeah, that was two weeks after, because I broke my leg. <laughs> I broke my leg. Oh, and, that what uh, it was? I broke my leg 10 days after I joined. And then if, uh, basically, I think it might have been a month after. I think. No, hang on. Two weeks after, because we played Sheffield Wednesday after we beat Everton on the road. So basically, yeah, it was like maybe three or four weeks, but yeah, I was still uh, morphined up a month after I had the injury.
1: So, okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about that injury. Cause I mean, it, obviously really significant for you. And, uh, and, and the process after it was, was pretty groundbreaking as well. And I don't think there's many people that would argue with you about, about the process that went, I mean, how do you look back on it now?
2: Um, uh, yeah, it's strange. I don't try and look back on it too much. Um, it was something I had no no control over. Um, again, the compensation was because when I joined Bradford from Southampton, they were third from bottom in the league. So the, man, the chairman said to me, if you keep us this prior to me signing, if you keep us in the championship, then we will not stand in your way to go straight back into the premiership. So I'm thinking, okay, I've joined in uh, the January or the February. I'll do the, my four months in a championship. I'll score goals in a championship, hopping around on one leg and one eye. So, and I scored in my first game. with one won 1-0. And then the next home game, I was fighting for my career after four minutes. So basically the chance of me going back into the Premier League had been taken away. So that was where the court case came in of, for no fault of my own, but someone else's reckless actions, had basically potentially taken away the best years because in I was only twenty six.
1: Mm-hmm. God, twenty six! Good lord!
2: I mean, obviously that, that,
3: at, at twenty six, you've got a. To... You're not really thinking a life after football, like At 26, so it must have been... No. Well, I was actually 25.
2: Really... I was actually 25, but I would have been 26 maybe yeah. two months later, you know? So you might just well just add on a bit. But yeah, 26, and I'd only ever really known top-flight football. So for me to go to Bradford, um, no disrespect or maybe a lot of disrespect to the majority of players. I thought I was head and shoulders above because goal scorers, if we can score in the Premier League, we're going to score bundles in the Championship.
1: So your your opportunity to go back to the Premier League with Bradford was kind of taken away from you. Not like with
2: Bradford, just... no. Not with Bradford. I was if I kept Bradford in the Championship because remember they were oh. third from bottom, and they, they got they
1: promoted. They were, was it
2: the year after? two years later. Yeah, yeah. I was part of that, later. but I mean right. that's just something you don't think about. I mean they'd have locked you up and put a straitjacket on you if you thought you <laughs> was going back to the Premier League with Bradford. But so yeah, yeah. in my contract, I, I, they said that they would allow me. To go to a Premier League club, if I kept them up,
1: right. So you so, were fighting um, relegation and not fighting for promotion at this point. Sorry, no, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh. it was two years later. Have you uh, have you spoke to Kevin afterwards? Have you? Did you have you had much interaction? Or I assume you know. No, I didn't need I, didn't need. I didn't need a life. wall
2: building in my garden or anything. He was an odd <laughs> carrier. You know what I mean? I just know. <laughs> Why? What's he going to say? I, oh, I'm I don't sorry, know, I didn't that. mean it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: he, he did, and, and and I bet that phrase now, get him hit him hard in the first five minutes, kind of makes you wins nowadays. Thinking back on it, so okay, listen, Stevie, have you have you got any more questions before I ask Gordon about the uh, the five side games at the end of training?
0: Uh, just, I just wanted to pull a little bit. We talked off air. Um, what your thoughts are? Uh, going, bringing it back to Wednesday. Mm-hmm. What what your thoughts are on the current squad, the plan that we've been in, obviously. You'll, you'll be looking at it, and obviously the nature of your your job at the moment is talking about football. And everybody around the world has seen what a journey we've been on in the last sort of three four months, certainly. But to, to get to ninety six points and not get promoted or not get automatic that 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 wins a league in any other sort of year. And um, then we've had Peterborough 4-0, zero, we've had the miracle of Hillsborough, then we've had Wembley, um, and then it all sort of it went to shit about two weeks later. To to be honest with you. Um, what are are your thoughts on the the, the current state of uh, play at Wednesday and and thoughts on any of the new players that are coming
2: in? Yeah, well, obviously, um, yeah, it would have been an absolute travesty if they didn't go up in any way, shape or form. It don't really matter because, obviously, if someone said to me, you're going to go up, but you're going to go up in the last minute of a playoff final, and I'd settle for that rather than having the extra two weeks off. The, uh, The big one for me now is going up into the Championship and thinking to yourself, "Okay." have we got a squad that's going to be able to battle? Now there's two things here for last year it was the worst championship I'd seen in over 25 years. You've got Luton and Coventry battling to go into the premier league. Then you have got a real opportunity, but the big problem you've got now is three strong sides coming from the premier league. And I'm not sure that Sheffield Wednesday's current squad is going to be good enough week in week out to scrap in that championship. Now, fall from bottom is where i would start my thought process then build because the big one is as and obviously i was getting coordinator at leicester is have you got any premier league players in that current squad that you're probably looking and being honest with yourself and saying no maybe one or two if you're lucky and you don't know until you try but it's one of those so get full from bottom Build anything more than that's a bonus, and then start bringing in players who are maybe going to be one year Championship, one year Premier League. But let's not get above ourselves. And the, but the listen, the big thing for me is the players ain't good enough. The fans are Premier League, and the the chairman is not even non-league. So you have got to get a line them, you know. And the, the the thing that never changes is the fan base. You have a fan base, and players have to get used to being able to play in front of 25, thirty thousand because. If they don't, then you're not going anywhere. But the majority of the players I've felt over the last 15 years have been very, very, very fortunate to play for Sheffield Wednesday. Then you have a look at the off-field activities. It's uh, It's almost like me telling a butcher how to butcher. I have no idea what's going on. And yet the owner seems to think that he can say and have an input on... This needs to happen and that needs to happen. He's a fish up a tree. So something needs to be put in place where football people make footballing decisions and then you'll all go forward together because they have the root, the fan base, the support and the city that will carry you. Then all you've got to do is get the recruitment side right. Now, listen, a couple of them sign-ins, they look miles better than what we already got. So let's hope. The big thing in the championship is you don't let goals in. I got promoted there with Bradford. I got promoted with Sheffield Wednesday. I got promoted with Leicester out in the championship. You don't score. You don't let in goals and you score goals, even if it's just one or two. So that, that and I thought Darren Moore would have had half a chance of um, stabilising the club next year because that was his mantra of let's not be great, but let's not lose games and let's grab something out of games we're not very good in don't want to see an open-style Sheffield Wednesday next season.
0: what What, do you think? I think we're going to ask the same question
2: then. What do Um, do I think? I think it's going to be a really, really tough, tough season and they better start right. And they're not going to start right when you have a manager who's in and he's only just got there. They've got to start right because, I tell you what, you do not want to be behind the eight ball in the Championship from like i don't know if you get cut adrift or you're then having to scrap every week's a scrap in a championship as it is it's like it, it's the toughest the toughest and i and i've i just hope that they start off fall full from bottom at the end of the year the full process has got to be just just stay in the championship but i wouldn't be hopeful I wouldn't be. And I know people don't want to hear that and they're saying, oh, you can't say that. Because I know that Wednesday have the type of fans who if you're 4-0 down with five minutes to go, they still believe that you can win 5-4. And I love that. But also, if you're asking a question, don't have a go at someone who's actually going to give you the truthful answer.
1: Fair enough. Go on, Steve. Ask the question about the signings.
2: What do you think?
0: What do you think of the players that are coming? We talked a little bit off air and you've alluded to players being better than we had. um, Yeah. Just before we started about Delgado in particular. Um, With Delgado,
2: I know. I know. But I mean, the whole thing seems to me that he's setting up for three centre halves and two wing backs, which is good because we used to do that when we got promoted with Leicester. We used to play that that formation as well. And what it does is it limits the uh, chances that teams get against you. In your in the central areas of your box, and also it gives you good energy uh, from wide areas. So basically, you have maybe uh, like a three-five-two, but your two wide men, your wing backs, can play underneath and not be too wide. And and both the boys that have come in, they look they look really um, suited to that type of game. Now, what you have got to do is get someone who's going to stick the ball in the back of the net, and someone who's going to help uh, the little wizard in midfield.
0: <laughs> any, any, any any, Costa Rican tips? No, for- no, or- none.
2: You're joking, aren't you? They're Mickey Mouse, yeah. They are absolute <laughs> jokers.
1: Okay, before I, before I wrap this up, then, are gone, and uh, you, you, we, you know you kind of alluded to it. So it might not might not reference to you, but we every time we've had a player on from the era of the club that you were there, they speak about Ron Atkinson after training, doing the small sided game, and he used to wear a bin liner. And some of the players used to line up. What was that? That's <laughs> that what, he what he used
2: did? to do. He used to do that with his hair like that. Hey, <laughs> give me the ball! Give me the ball! Come on!
1: Every, every time I ask this question, I get like a new piece of information about it, and that that's it this week. And sometimes, like some of the players, like John Newsome and Nigel Pearson, kind of mentioned that um, they would like line up to give him a bit of a give him a bit of needle. Uh, did yeah. you, you know, did you get? Did you manage to, you manage to leave a bit on Big Rod at one point?
2: No, I was normally on his on his team because I was a young yeah. lad to do his running. So don't worry about that. He was shrewd enough to have maybe me and Colton on the same team, you know? Um, and again, that's, that's when he was saying, Colton, give me the ball, give me the ball. I'm the player. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? You have uh, piano carriers and piano players and I'm the player, you're the carrier. So listen, yeah, Ron was great. And he was charismatic on and off the pitch, made everything fun. And uh, obviously God rest uh, the souls of TF and Chris Bart Williams. But it was a great time to uh, be involved. And it was a great time to be at Sheffield Wednesday.
1: That's amazing. I'll put in a pin in it right there. Thank you so much for joining us, Gordon. And once time. again, ladies and gents, go on watch them.
3: Cheers, boys. Thanks Gordon. All the best.
1: This
0: podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talk sport.
1: Powered by fans. It's the 90th minute you've got all your mates round you've got your McNugget share boxers coming down the left wing ready to go your mates already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget snatching all three points back of the net Lubash ultimate delivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com for more information see you later